Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. On today's show, we have my mentor, former radio co-host, and life coach, Patricia Mancha. She's the best hag a gay man could ever ask for, and we sit and talk about our journey together, her battle with cancer, and how to take charge of your own health. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Save the date. The Hispanic Association of Colleges and Universities, HACU, will hold its 33rd annual conference October 5th through the 7th at the Hilton Chicago. Convention attendees will discuss emerging trends in higher education affecting the Latinx community and Hispanic-serving institutions, plus identify graduate education opportunities for students. For more information, visit haku.net, that's H-A-C-U dot N-E-T. Fourteen years ago, I walked into an interview and sat across a very polished young woman who was determined to get to know the real me in just 30 minutes. I was interviewing for a job with a human services agency that prevents hunger and poverty in the United States. I wanted this job so bad because I wanted to save the world. I got that job and I also got a best friend in the process. Patricia Mancha has been my unofficial life coach for the past decade. She has mentored me professionally and extended a great friendship to me, a relationship that is still strong today, even though we no longer work together and we live in different cities. When I got the opportunity to launch a morning radio show in Dallas, she was the first person I approached about co-hosting with me. I thought if we're going to drop some knowledge every Thursday morning, I was going to need the best advice dispenser in the business. Fast forward to almost a decade later, Patricia and I met up for lunch on my recent trip to Dallas, and we shared some great memories. I want to welcome to the show one of my oldest and dearest friends, Patricia Mancha, who, what, it's been almost, let's see, nearly 10, 7, 8, 9 years ago. 10, 12. That we met, but almost... Nine years ago, when we launched the precursor to this podcast, the Jesse Garcia Radio Show. Woohoo! And by the way, I just want to make a correction. I'm not one of his oldest friends. <laughs> I'm one of his most attractive friends. Okay, okay. keep on going. So let's uh, picture it. 2010. <laughs> uh, KNON, a local radio station in Dallas, mm-hmm. public radio, they needed to fill this slot on Thursday mornings, early Thursday mornings, seven o'clock, uh, with a Latino radio show. And they needed someone from the community. They had asked me to find that person since I was well-connected and I was both had my hand in politics and culture and arts in uh, Dallas. So I kept looking and looking and nobody had the guts to do it or nobody had the training to do it, the communication skills to do it. And then finally, the person who had tasked me on this, he goes, well, why don't you do it? And I thought, well, yeah, why not? But I'm not a morning person. So I'm like, how is this going to work? I have to be there at 645, learn all this equipment and be able to function for one hour, 
during the drive time and get people interested in talking about stuff that are like that's Latino, right? So I had to go to my boss, who at the time was Patty. Yeah. <laughs> I go, Enter the savior. Enter the savior. I go, Patty, they want me to do this, but that means I would have to go every morning and from 7 to 8. And she was, I'm fine with it. You don't get here till 9.30 anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. And even then, I was like, go wash your fish. You still have from last night. <laughs> so it's just sort of like, she gave me her blessing. And I ran with the idea. I was like, before I even started, I, I planned the editorial calendar for 52 weeks of, okay, what's the first year going to look like? Who are the Latinos I'm going to invite to this show? He was super organized. Yes. But I said, I wish you would have done that for work. <laughs> and then he goes, and then I go, um, how am I going to be able to give the appropriate points of view? Because I'm just speaking from a male-centered voice. I kind of need it. A woman on there too this needs to be different it was gonna be a whole lot of different because it was gonna also be a latino public affairs show but in english my dominant language and i kind of wanted somebody that could be that spanish counterpart and patty's excellent bilingual skills would come in handy and i said patty why don't you do this with me and she decided she would do it and she had a long drive i lived down the street but she literally had to come in from north dallas north dallas and we did this radio show together and this is one of the many things that patty's done for me throughout my life we've become very close i used to be one of her workers and she ended up being my top fag hag I'm going to call her the hag. I don't like using the F word, but she's been very close to me. I want to thank you for coming on the show, the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's been a lot of work. Those of you <laughs> who are listening to this, you know, no, it's been, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm very proud of Jesse and all that he does. And I think uh, we're kindred spirits. You know, we just have so much in common. We're both from the border. We finish each other's sentences sometimes. <laughs> yes, we do. And we have the same political affiliation. Yeah. We can always tell each other the truth. We support each other. So it's 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 a, a good uh, mutual relationship. When, I'm very happy that you let me take that step of being on that radio show and allowing me to express myself in that um, way. The reason why I have a podcast today is because of that radio show, because it got me interested in being in that um, talk show world and being able to interview interesting people that are doing great things for the community. And this show is just dedicated to you because you helped me through a, a lot. And I still come to you for a lot of advice. So I do want to say, you know, Jesse's going on about this radio show. But I have to tell you all, he really needed me because he needed some fun in there. Oh, my God. They called you Sister Cougar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also wrote a little, uh, I used to blog. And so I had written something about be, embrace your inner cougar. And our previous, the show before us was a minister. Mm. And I guess we were talking about that. That uh, Yeah, there was a religious hour before us. Yes, and when and he us. caught wind of what you wrote. He called you out and started calling you Sister Cougar. So, so that became your moniker. <laughs> and it was great. That was a good it was a good show. It was a lot of work. It was a yes. one hour show. And we had some very interesting individuals from elected officials to 
change makers, uh, dreamers, yeah. the dream, the, when the dream the dreamers, was they were some of my favorites as was like, uh, Lupe, Lupe, Lupe Valdez, the, the, at the time, the sheriff, the sheriff of Dallas County. And we had all of the, the candidates running for mayor at the time, the mayor. So it, it, it yeah. was pretty exciting. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the show is just to say thank you for being that mentor that I needed. You're a great hag. Yes, I am. And then there were some great things about being my hag that I that I want to share with those tips. 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 Yes. Some tips about how to be the right kind of hag. Okay, let's go with number one. Yes. Don't fall in love with your guy. I always never, felt- never, never, never. <laughs> I love that I always felt like a brother-sister yes. relationship with you. You never had any designs on me. Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> I went, the first time I saw him, saw Shay into the office, I knew. he. he it took him a while to, to be... I thought know. I was passing. I even uh-huh, I did my whole thing of waiting a, wearing a wedding ring. That was early before you know. I felt yes. safe to come out at work. I would wear this wedding ring... <laughs> So people wouldn't ask me, you know, they don't, none of the women would ask me out or if they did. They know that I was in a relationship or something. I just didn't want. But God forbid somebody asked me about my wife. I'm like, oh, shit. What's the answer for that one? I remember, I remember there was a, one girl who did come up to me and say, oh, who's the new guy? He's hot. Is he married? And I said, and I, I really thought to myself, girl, your door so broken. But I just say, uh, I don't know. You, you, I really don't know. I have, we haven't talked about it. And I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't break her little heart. But I didn't want to out Jesse at the same yeah, time. Yeah, thank you. Was an out. Thank you. So yes, never fall in love with your guy because you guys are like sisters, not <laughs> not romantic. Yes. No. <laughs> okay. And one thing I could have mentioned: the day I came out at work, <laughs> when I came back, and I was so excited because I think I just got tested for HIV. He was at and, a doctor's appointment, and I came back, and I was so happy. I'm like, I'm not pregnant, and you're like. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> I was laughing and I was like, "Oh, thank God you're finally out," because I couldn't hold it anymore. Yeah. By this point, we were becoming friends. Yeah. Well, tip number two. Yes. Uh, always be there in the tough times and the good times, yes. and those times when you just needed to lean on each other. Yes. That was something that you always provided to me, and still do. You're like a mentor to me. And I love you. Uh, what? When did you start being a hag? Because it was before me. You had yeah, gay friends in high school? Yes, and I have gay cousins. And uh, I didn't know they were gay when we were growing up, but I always gravitated to them and they to me. And so I was always kind of like a protector, you know, when people would um, make fun But you fun grew up in a machismo, South Texas, very Catholic yes. environment, but you still managed to have these... Have we met? You know, <laughs> the thing is, it was we in my family. It's four girls, and and I didn't have any brothers. And my dad would always. I remember he would ask, "So what are you gonna do when you grow up?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I want to be a teacher, or a lawyer, or a doctor." Like, but it was always. And then he would say, "You're not gonna get married until you graduate college," and so it, it was instilled in us. And it was I was always encouraged to speak up and to be who I was. So it just never stopped. Tip number three. Always tell the truth. I was about to say, call me out when I need to be called out. <laughs> Always tell the truth. I think that's important. It's mutual. You know, yeah. all of these tips are mutual. Like, we always are honest with each other. 
and we can always tell things behind the scenes and you know that I'm not going to mess with your head you know that I'm not going to tell you things because I want something from you or I want you to do something I'm gonna I want the best for you I love you and I and you're like you are like my brother even my parents you know they consider Jesse a son Yes. Except my dad has, at the moment has disinherited him. Of course. but Because uh, I haven't visited in such a long time. Yes. And I no longer have ownership of how many cows does he own? I don't know. But he, yeah. Jesse's out. Yeah. So no. And I think that's the key too that we're friends. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's all it is. It's a beautiful friendship. And I want to thank you for that. And you shared so much with me throughout your life. And one of the important stories why I also wanted you on the podcast mm-hmm. it was because it, it stuck with me. Some of the stuff that you've went through in your life, your your battle with cancer. And I really wanted to share this story on this podcast. I, rent, I, I mean, I had you on so we could talk about your tips for being a good hag. Of course. But also how it's important to speak up for yourself. Yes. When you went through cancer, you were almost told, you were told. Yes, I was. That nothing was wrong with you. That's correct. And you went for a second opinion. Walk us through how it all started. So it was, picture it, 1999. I had bangs. March, oh goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Unforgivable. Uh, March 15th, I had moved to a new city. I had started a new job. I had bought a new house and I had bought a new car. Like it was my big girl moment. I was on top of the world. And so I bought the house and sometime around April, the movers come in to bring my household goods as they call it, or actually it was like April 1st. So I had spent all day unpacking and organizing and doing things. And I took a shower and I went to watch the news and it was the six o'clock news, I'll never forget. And the, the newscaster said, it's the first of the month, time to do your self breast exam. I was 28. I never really did that stuff. You know, it's like yeah, uh, people yeah, and we tend to think about breast cancer at the later stages exactly. of life like my mother and my yes. grandmother. Exactly. When they hit their 70s and 80s, that's when they had to have to be treated for that. Yes. But go ahead. So, I did my breast exam, one side nothing, the next side and I was like, "Whoa. I felt something." And I said, "No." So I did it again, and sure enough, I felt something. And it freaked me out a little bit, but I tried to stay calm. And then a cu- that weekend, this was a Thursday, that weekend my sisters and my mom were coming, so I took my sister Letty into the room, and I closed the door, and I said, feel this. And I just saw her face when she touched it, and she just started to cry. And I said, don't cry, because everybody's going to want to know what's going on. So she's the only one who knew, my sister and myself. And so I proceeded to try to make a doctor's appointment. Jesse, they would not see me. This was, I'm telling you, it was April 1st. They would not see me until late August, wow. early September, because there was no availability. So talk about healthcare crises. Yes. You know, they didn't even have enough doctors to open, to see a new patient. Exactly. So I finally call one OBG and I said, I need to come. And I, I gave them some sob story. And I guess the receptionist just was a, a tired of hearing me and made an, uh, gave me an appointment, maybe within the next two weeks. So I went to see the doctor. I walk into his office and he's writing something on his pad when I walk in. He doesn't look up. He doesn't shake my hand. He doesn't say hello. He's writing and he says, do you have health insurance? And I said, yes, I do. And he's like, what is it? Blue Cross Blue Shield. And he gives me a cup, still doesn't look up, still doesn't nothing. He doesn't know my name. Maybe he does because it's in his card. And he says, pee into this. 
And I said, I'm not pregnant. And that's the first time he looked up and said, what are you doing here then? And I told him, I said, well, I have a lump in my breast and I did this self breast exam and I did this and this and nobody would, you know, I, I went and told him my whole thing and he looked like I was wasting his time. Like I could tell. And he said, well, let's do an exam. And so they didn't, he, he, he touched my breast and then he said, no, there's nothing there. And I said, wait, let me lay down because when I lay down and lift my arm, you can feel it. And so I did. And he said, oh yeah, I can feel it. Your breasts are so dense. We're going to have to do a sonogram. And then at that point, it all came tumbling down. Like I said, oh goodness, I do have a, a, a lump. What am I going to do? So I just started, tears started coming down my eyes. Because you were being validated. Yes, I knew it was, it happened. So he pulls out some tissues, gives them to me, still doesn't look at me. He says, I have to make a phone call and walks out of the room and I never see him again. That was the first doctor that I went to. And I said, I, I can't come back to this guy. Yeah. What am I going to, you know, how am I going to do this? So... I went to get the sonogram and I remember I asked the person who was doing it, do you see something? What's going on? You know, yeah. I'll, I'll cheese Mosa. And he's, and she said, I'm sorry, but I can't tell you anything. You have to talk to the doctor. And I was like, I'm not going back to that man. So then I had, and then in all this, there was someone else. And he said, I was too young. There was nothing wrong. So finally I went to the secretary who was my boss's secretary and said, look, I don't know anybody in this town. I don't, I don't know any doctors. I just this was at here. work. This was at work. Mm. And I said, but I'm desperate. This happened and I just need to see a doctor. And she said, my friend just went through something similar. And the secretary or the receptionist at this at Dr. Krakow's office is fantastic. I'm going to see if we can get you in. They got me in that same afternoon. Wow. Dr. Krakow said, yes, there's something there. We need to, to extract it. We'll do a lumpectomy and we'll do it. Um in two days and I said okay so they went in they took it out I was awake during the procedure wow and um, it was just local anesthesia and you know at first I told him I said I'm very disappointed because my career as a stripper is now over <laughs> my breast was gonna be you know mutilated here but it was just like the size of a bean and it had it, it looked like when you cook brisket and the grizzle has a little bit of blood and stuff. That's yeah. how it looked. Yeah. And so, because I asked to see it. He was surprised when I asked to see it, but I, I, did, I did do that. Um, and then, so I said, okay, so let's do what we have to do. Well, they had to test it, right? So I go home. I, I tell my parents. And, well, I was going to go home and tell my parents. Yes. So that was, an, that was really the hardest part of everything in this journey. Because I'm very close to my family, and I knew they were going to be very concerned for me and devastated. So I go home, and mind you, this is all happening in like one month's time. So it was like all the, and plus I'm in a new job. Wow. And have a new car and have a new house. So, and don't really know anyone in this town. So I go home. And I, we were home and it was Saturday morning and we were having the great Mexican breakfast. Everybody was there at my parents' house and we're laughing. And I was so, my heart was broken because I knew yes. that it was never going to be the same after this and that I was going to shatter my parents' world yeah. because I know they love me and I knew they, I know they want the best for me. So I just ripped off the bandaid and said, okay, I want to tell you all something. I have an announcement and no, I'm not getting married and no, it's not a boyfriend. Because that was always what they wanted of to know. Of course. Um, so 
I said, the doctor says it's okay. You know, I, I, I still have to, to see what the outcome is, but um, I have cancer. And everybody just stopped. Like the word, it's like the, the, the their energy faces, was sucked out of the room. Yes, their faces, their, I could see my parents and I just didn't want, I, I'd worked so hard not to cry. And you know, one of the things that I realized looking back on this, what gave me strength and what helped me to not cry and not feel sorry for myself were the people I loved. Yes. Because everybody I loved was so scared for me. And I'm not just talking about my family. I've been very blessed to have good friends, to have just cousins and aunts and uncles and friends, like real, honest, caring friends throughout my life. And so when everybody would be crying, I would say like, I'm gonna be okay, look at me, I'm not crying, I'm all right. And so that gave me a lot of strength knowing that I wasn't alone. So long story short, I had chemo, I had radiation, my hair fell off. My mom and I actually shaved my hair together. Oh. <laughs> it was very, very fun. Um, the radiation back then, it was almost 20 years ago, uh, 19, or yeah, like 19 yeah. years ago. Um, it was so severe that it burned my skin. Wow. I got blisters on my neck. And for years, my half of my, my uh, neck and my chest were darker color than the rest of my skin so it it was difficult on the body yes. but i got through it that was the first time there was a second there was a second unfortunately so you know i had just i had so many bills and i remember telling someone i don't know what i'm going to do i can't pay all these bills and this person actually worked for the irs and he said to me you don't have to pay everything at once as long as you're making a payment they can't, you know, demand, they can't do anything to you. And I said, oh, I didn't know that. I mean, no. I was young. I didn't, I, no. I hadn't really. So I just started paying $5 at a time. And I had at one point 21 bills. For all your medical work. Yes. People would invite me to go out to eat or they'd invite me to a party and I would always have to politely decline because I didn't have money to pay for the restaurant or to buy a gift. I was really, it was really tight. But you know what? I never had, I always had enough food. I never needed for anything. So. When did you decide to just, to. Well, after the second time. Okay. So the first time I had a lumpectomy, I had some uh, lymph nodes that were, that, that did have cancer in them. So therefore that, that's why I had to have the radiation and the chemo. Well, the second time, and that's where I know that God put me on this earth for a reason. Um, I lived in a different city and I went to get a mammogram because I still had my breasts and um, there it was a room full of people all these women had gone to get their mammogram we're all chatting and laughing and little by little they're being called out and told oh you're okay you're okay you're okay and I look up and I was the only person left in the room and it was at that moment that I knew something wasn't right oh, God yes my I just thought I uh, not again so the nurse tells me the doctor saw something in your mammogram and he wants there to be an extraction because he's afraid that it may be cancer so i said okay and she said to me you know by the way you're very lucky i said oh and she said the doctor we have reading the mammograms today is not our regular doctor he had an emergency and because we had such a full schedule his college professor agreed to come in and read the mammogram so that we wouldn't have to cancel and reschedule everybody. And he's a world-renowned radiologist 
who goes around the world teaching seminars and teaching classes and teaching other doctors how to read mammograms. I don't think our regular doctor would have caught this. Wow. So you're at the right time at the right place. I believe that God put me there, you know. So by that point, I said, I need to have a bilateral mastectomy. So I talked to my doctor and he said. You just decided that day. Yes. Why would I want it again? You know, it's appendages. I don't, I I wasn't going to, it's, it's, it's a decoration, you know, breasts, unless you have a child and are breastfeeding, you don't need them. You know, uh, as a woman or as a man, you don't need a breast. It's pretty. You want to have it. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of completes your look. But but if it kills you. Exactly. It's your enemy. Yeah. So I decided I'm going to have a bilateral mastectomy. Well, and I wasn't even thinking reconstruction at the time. And uh, so my my doctor says, oh, no, you're too young and you're too pretty and you're unmarried. You shouldn't have a mastectomy. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to have a mastectomy. Oh, but you really should reconsider because, you know, your body and all this. And I was like, I don't care. So that was my regular OBG, like doctor, women's doctor, gynecologist. Then I went to an oncologist and I had to and I told him I want a a bilateral reconstruction, a bilateral mastectomy, whatever. And he's like, oh, you're so young and you're so pretty. How old were you at the time? I was 31. And I said, nope, I'm going to do it. So then I went to my oncology plastic surgeon who actually did the the surgery again i had to explain myself had to write a letter that i was okay like that i was in in a good mental place to do this why would they do that a woman's decision is a woman's decision well all these men thought the breasts were so important that i should keep them (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yes (laughs) so you never had a female doctor at that point, no. no. Everybody I got was male, and yeah. it just it just so happened they were great doctors, but, but yeah, they, had they lacked way. that bedside manner, I yeah. guess, or they felt like I know better for you yeah. that you need your breasts. <laughs> and so I had a bilateral mastectomy and reconstruction, and it was very hard. And my mother came and stayed with me, and she's my angel. She's always been my angel at my shoulder, helping me, supporting me, and my parents and my sisters. They've all done so much for me and have given me strength that allows me to just get better and that's what I worked on I worked on getting better and walking and trying to be healthy so that my mother you're always trying to eat correct I am I'm like the opposite of you but now (laughs) I know why you do it because you went through this you shared this story with me at one of our meetings at work and it stuck with me because I'm thinking of all the women especially Latina women mm-hmm. who trust their lives to doctors mm-hmm. who don't give a crap about them or they just see a number and they're just told they're fine I've learned no you have you to be your advocate that. you yeah. have to be your own advocate yes doctors they go through a lot of school they go through a lot of training but who knows your body better than you yeah you know enter cancer number three wow and you were involved in that one actually (laughs) what you're talking about because you shared the story about having to have a bilateral mastectomy mastectomy. yes and i was like oh that's so sad it stuck with me because i'm thinking Mm -hmm. all this time because you were presenting yes with these 
breasts. Breasts, you say. That were beautiful. Uh, beautiful. At attention. Let's just say, I'm yes. sorry that's, if it sounds very crude, but I was like, oh my God, all this time in my head, I thought they were fake because you had told uh-huh. me you had them removed. So I'm like, well, she picked a good pair, you know, to uh-huh. to show off, you yes. know, to compliment because her Because you can actually have prosthetics. The prosth- That's yes. what I was thinking you did. Because mm-hmm. I've heard about certain bras and stuff yes. like that. So I'm like, all right, girl. She is, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, living her life on her own yes, terms. Yes, I am. And then I was at your house. Yes, that's when you were staying with me because yeah, I was traveling. I, traveling. I was traveling all over the country, so and, Jesse was staying at my house. And I was taking care of your house, never cut your grass. But Roommates, a, but not, you know. Not, yeah. He had his own room <laughs> and his own bathroom. <laughs> and... Um, I said, look at my, Jesse, I have an, something here because I had a, an itch on my left side, which is where my cancer occurred. So I went to go look and I did see some redness, but I was more shocked that I saw some breast side boob. I'm like, <laughs> what? And then you saw it on my face and you're thinking, you know, is it bad? What is it? And I'm like, no, you have boobs? You have actual <laughs> boobs? And then you're like, Yes. What did you think? I'm like, I thought you stopped. So then I proceeded to lift my shirt and show him the beauties, the girls. And then, of course, Jesse, being the proper gay man that he is. Ran around saying, no, put that away. Don't don't show me. Don't show me. He was covering his eyes. And I was like, look, Jesse, they're beautiful. I I paid for them. And so um, that was. very proud. I am very proud of them. Hello. They're they're always going to be perky. Um. You know, it, yeah. there's some give and take because, like, um, they're always at a different temperature than the rest of my body. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. I, I find that fascinating. Yeah. Um, I don't have sensation in them the way I used to, uh-huh. but, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes, like, if something hits me or I'm touching something, I don't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> So you're going to rubbing up against somebody and you're like, I have no, no idea. No idea. So, you know, sometimes it's like I'm not trying to be inappropriate, but it just kind of happens. Or sometimes I hit something and I'm like, I don't even find out. I don't even realize. I'm so. But, yeah. you know, those are minor inconveniences. Yeah. I was just so surprised. And then I, that explains why they're always in a t- <laughs> But let me tell you, all this just goes to the fact how powerful you are as a person being your own advocate saved your life and how did number three end up what was well it ended up being skin cancer god from the the radiation wow the radiation so that's a side effect yes now the radiation that they give is a lot different it actually is internal so it doesn't burn the epidermis, but I have sensitive skin to begin with. Yes. So the radiation actually did impact my skin. And the, fortunately for me, the doctor said that um, it was the best kind I could have because it wasn't invasive. It was at the very beginning stages. Mm-hmm. And I went immediately when I saw it. And the crazy thing is the doctor saw it and said, that looks like skin cancer, but it's not the bad kind. He snipped it in his office, ran a test, and then they actually went and extracted more of the skin around it just to make sure that it didn't spread Um, but you know in all of this the key it's just I have to tell everybody you're your own advocate we all are learn your body like look at yourself naked and I know some people are, are like oh I'm so fat or I'm so this your body's beautiful look at look at the miracle that it is and everything that it does for you there's a 31 year old somewhere that no longer has a life that's no longer living 
And here we are complaining at 50 because I'm fat or uh, I'm too short or my I don't have hair or whatever. Your body is perfect, just like you are. Each and one, every one of us is no that. accident. Yeah, thank you for, for saying that for so many reasons, health-wise yes. and for the, all the gay people you helped along the way, being that straight ally that you've always been to me. And to so many people out there, because you're still, it's like you want to have like your own collection of gays. <laughs> Every time <laughs> no, I turn around, Jessie. there's always a new gay in your Facebook feed. I'm like, ooh, she's trying to replace me. <laughs> no, here's no. the thing. I, I believe that, you know, love like food should be shared. Yes. That is my motto. Very smart. Any of those two, those two things are the most important, some of the most important things in life. And they'll go bad if you keep them all to yourself. All right, for dropping some knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, we have to yeah. be kind to each other. Yeah, we have to treat each other well. We can't be allowing others to bring us down. Mm-hmm. We can't be anyone allowing people to slut shame, to to say gay jokes and think it's funny, to um, you know demean someone because they wonder, oh, what gender are they? Well, who do you? What do you care? <laughs> Like, are they, yeah. it, it's like all these people who hate someone else, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah. And plus, why give anyone your power? Yeah. By loving people, you give no one your power but yourself. That's really the key. Don't hate anyone because you, by hating someone, you give them your power. I'm not giving my power to you. I'm going to love you. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know. So that's when does important. your book come out? No, <laughs> Self help. I'm still over. working it. <laughs> no. no, I do. But you know, one of the things that I do try to do uh, for women, and and I've not encountered a man, but I know men get breast cancer, yeah. is that I talk to women who have breast cancer and um, try to help them. I talk to parents of women of kids who have cancer yes. and family members and talk about my experience so that they know that there is hope yeah. and that, you know, like for me, it's been a long time and I forget, you know, most of the time I go, but the very thing that has allowed me to live in it that has made me very fortunate is that I have health care. Imagine those who do not have insurance. Exactly. And yeah. even with health care, I've paid so much out of pocket. I could have taken trips, I could have bought houses, I could have done stuff, but it doesn't matter because I invested in myself, in something that really matters. So don't be worried so much about buying your Louis Vuitton or going to Paris. Go to the doctor, get your scans, have your mammogram. Men, you too can get breast cancer. Yep, I already know somebody who did. That's right. My brother-in-law's best friend died of breast cancer because Mm -hmm. nobody thought it was. Yeah. So men, women, and everybody else, transgender, cisgender, binary, non-binary, mm-hmm. all, the, all the different people of the world, check yourself. Check yourself. And it's not just breast, but you know, um, penis, your penis, your, your, your testicles, all that stuff. You need to look at them. You need to touch them. You need, even if you have someone else touch them and, you know, <laughs> someone you, you you love. But it's important to uh, do the yes, self-exams. exactly. And do you know of a website we should go to? I mean, what health website that's out there? Oh, my goodness. Well, there's so many websites out there, but always good to trust 
anything ending in gov so dot gov yeah so uh CDC. like cdc or hhs the health and human services um but also the cancer society you know there's all kinds of cancer institute um and before you give to anything the pink ribbon you know there's a lot of these campaigns uh, before you give money, find out who you're giving money to. Yeah. That's the first thing I would tell you because I don't just go and buy anything that has a pink ribbon. Yeah. Because people think, oh, it has a pink ribbon. I'm giving, I'm giving it breast cancer. But you don't really know that. You don't really know that. So yeah. please make sure you find out. Um, but also, your money is not just the most important thing. Your time is too. Yeah. People need rides to the doctor. People need help, you know, with buying nutrition. groceries, with yeah. nutrition, just all kinds of stuff. All of us can do something. You know, even if it's just visiting your neighbor and helping them do whatever it is, don't keep everything to yourself. Don't live that life of solitude. Yeah. Because that's how you're going to be happy. But, you know, I go back to Jesse here and I'm, <laughs> I'm very proud of him. Um, I don't know. Do we have time? How For much time another story? I don't know. <laughs> you got five minutes. <laughs> five minutes. Oh, my OMG. Okay. So I just want to, to brag on Jesse a little bit here because... You know, Jesse is always working to help someone. He's always, as we like to say, burning his bra, um, <laughs> protesting, registering voters, helping people, doing all kinds of stuff. And he does it from the bottom of his heart. And one of the things about Jesse that I really respect and admire is how he unites people. It's not about him. He's willing to help to help. He's not doing it because he wants to be recognized Although that sometimes that's nice. And he's not doing it because he wants people to think he's so fabulous. But let me tell you something. I'm only able to do that when I have allies like you backing me up and steering me into the right direction with policy, with <laughs> attitudes that they have on the ground. Like, Jesse, heads up. This is coming. You know? And I appreciate yeah. people like you, especially my hag, who's been there all this all this time it's like i keep learning something new every time we get together and talk so i really appreciate patty and thank you so much for being on the show oh it's my pleasure and my honor and everybody listen up and remember do yourself breast exams and save a little money everybody needs to have an emergency fund i know this is off topic yeah. <laughs> but just a reminder everybody should have an emergency fund and i hope that and each of you that is listening puts together a little savings account because you never know when you're ne when you'll need it and even when it comes to medical care that makes a big difference yes it does thank you patty you're welcome it was a pleasure to be here